Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello everyone, today we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for November 2022. We're going to focus on the following three insights. The first insight is, as expected, November's housing market activity was characterized by sluggish demand, scarce supply, and falling prices. Number two, consumer sentiment has shifted, but buying and selling intentions remain relatively consistent. And insight number three, interest rates are rising, but not for long. My name is Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and as always, we're joined by Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, Rennie's Senior Analyst with our Intel team. I'm also excited to welcome Jeevan Gill, a Rennie leader and a longtime Squamish local who specializes in the Squamish region. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jeevan, for making the trip down here. We have a lot to discuss, so I'm just so happy that you're able to come. Thanks, Justine. It feels good to be here. It was a beautiful drive down the sea to sky, and this office is beautiful, so I'm really happy to be here with all of you. Yeah, what a great drive today. The weather's so nice. Yeah, no, it was stunning. And you're able to make it down for our last podcast of the year. A very weird, weird, very <laughs> yeah. weird year. I know. It's been uh, the first half and the second half of the year have been a little bit different from each other. Watch it, right? <laughs> Let's not get I too know, much we away. Want to, we want to characterize it, um, maybe in Dickensian fashion, but uh, I think we're going to stick with great expectations because we're excited for the year ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I like Will that. everyone get that? We'll see. All right. So since we have so much to talk about, let's get into our first insight. Insight number one, as expected, November's housing market activity was characterized by sluggish demand, scarce supply and falling prices. So Ryan Wise, last month, you predicted that we see six consecutive months of less than 3000 sales to finish the year. So why don't we update our listeners on what that looks like now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we make a lot of predictions here at Intel and uh, we get a lot wrong quite (laughs) fairly frequently. So uh, let's start today with one that we got right. Um, Yeah. So November was the fifth straight month of less than 3,000 resales. Um, Sales were 55% less than last November, which was quite robust 2021. Um, But they're 39% below sort of that long run average. So since the year 2000, only one November has seen fewer sales than we saw this past November. And that was in 2008, the depths of the Great Recession. Um, so yeah, we mentioned last month that we haven't had six consecutive months where we didn't achieve that 3000 mark, um, since 2012, the end of 2012. Um, so from that perspective, it's the slowest stretch in a decade. Um, and that is if we fail to hit it again in December for that sixth month. Mm. And here we are midway through December, we're tracking to come in well below and we're, you know, halfway through December. So the second half of December, people, you know, don't do a lot of buying and selling of real estate. Uh, yeah. in any market, let alone the one that we're, we're in today. So I think we're, it's a pretty safe bet that we'll end up there just as we thought. So, you know, a pretty slow uh, six-month stretch for sure. Um, and in spite of that, you know, conditions, market conditions really haven't changed all that much again in the last few months. Um, so using that months of inventory metric uh, that we like to use, it's up only marginally from October to November. Overall market conditions remain technically balanced. Um Detached homes remain balanced, and and actually condos and townhomes still remain technically in seller's market territory. Very mm-hmm. strange to hear. It doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So just to remind our listeners, are we able to discuss what our balanced market is? Yeah, I mean, so 
you know, from our perspective as analysts, we're looking at it at conditions in the market as they're defined by the relationship between sales counts and inventory. So there are these defined thresholds of the ratio of, you know, inventory to sales, for example. So when we say, without getting too much into the details, when we talk about a balanced market, what that really means is that the months of inventory measure, um, so the, the amount of inventory divided by the number of sales that we're seeing, is falling within a range that is generally consistent with no real upward pressure on prices and generally no downward pressure on prices, even though we are seeing prices fall now. Mm-hmm. When conditions favor buyers, the ratio is such that um, there is enough inventory that people aren't competing like crazy for it and driving prices up. And when it's a seller's conditions, um, there is for a given level of sales, there's just relatively a relative scarcity of supply. So you mm-hmm. get way more competition, like multiple offers, subject free offers and above ask bidding. Um, so that's that's, you know, essentially in a nutshell what it is when we talk about conditions. So, Jeevan, are you able to share some experiences what a balanced market feels like for your clients and for yourself as a realtor? For sure. Um, I think what we're seeing now compared to the frenzy that we sort of saw in the last couple of years, it's really helping buyers who were maybe not able to get into the market because they're able to put conditions. A lot of buyers were not comfortable going in subject free or without an inspection. And so this is really helping them and it's it's good because now we're actually negotiating. So as a realtor, we're, yeah. we're really able to do our job and negotiate and get them the best price and really work hard for them. So um, I feel like before the price was just set and if you weren't coming in over asking, you didn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Or if you had subjects, you didn't stand a chance. So it's, you know, it's kind of nice. I, I'm not hating that part of it. And it's it's definitely, yeah, getting to a better condition for buyers. Yeah, just allowing people to do their proper due diligence, I think is great. Yeah, so the, the reason that um, market conditions really haven't shifted at all is because supply is being held in check. Um, inventory is coming down, as we have pointed out in the past few months. Inventory always comes down at the end of the year, in part because uh, so few new listings are coming to market. For November, new listings were 11% below the past 10-year average, sort of typical November. So what we're seeing is people who don't have to sell right now simply aren't listing their home. It's not the right time for them. They're not seeing prices where they want them to, so they're not putting their homes on the market. Um, So prices have been falling a little bit. They continued to fall in November, so benchmark prices were down sort of 1% to 2% on average, depending on your product type. Um, but there isn't this uh, influx of supply, even as, as sale counts um, have stayed low. Yeah, Ryan, I feel the same even with Squamish. I think we are in line with the broader market. Um, not a lot of inventory out there. Sellers are holding off. Buyers are definitely holding off because there's this whole feeling is our price is going to go down? What's going to happen with the interest rate? So there's a lot of factors that are sort of stalling uh, the general consumer, I think, out there. So um, um, do you think on the part of sellers is the mindset, um, I want prices that we had back in the spring or is it uh, uncertainty about that next place? Are they like hunkering down and just waiting for the storm to pass or do they think 
no, 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 I want that peak price and I'm willing to wait until it comes back to that. Well, I think it really depends on the client because if you have, you know, I work with a lot of people, developers that are doing new construction and spec homes. So they're not saying, hey, I'll, I'll sit in my house for another six months and see what's happening. A lot of them want to sell. They need to sell. Um, and then if you have someone that's upsizing or downsizing, you know, on one hand, yes, they're a buyer, but on the other hand, they're also a seller. So they do mm-hmm. want to see where things are headed in that direction that could be a reason that they're really sort of holding back to see what happens in 2023. And that brings us into insight number two. It's a great segue because they were talking about consumer sentiments have shifted, but buying and selling intentions remain relatively consistent. So are we able to talk a little bit more about what the consumer sentiment survey is and what the latest edition is telling us? Yeah, definitely. Um, so our consumer sentiment survey is one that we at Rennie have uh, administered for uh, a year now in collaboration with the Mustel Group, a local survey company. So they um, go to about 800 Metro Vancouver residents. We do it twice a year, uh, spring and fall. So we're now up to three editions of our consumer sentiment survey. We have a year's worth of data and changing market dynamics. So there was quite a bit to unpack this time around. We, we found some pretty cool insights. So I think to start with this buying and selling intentions, um, asking people if they plan to buy or sell in the next six months. Um, selling intentions have been pretty consistent. They were up marginally this round from the last two. Uh, still overall low at 19% of respondents. Overall, it seems like homeowners really do not intend to sell their home in any particularly large numbers. So again, this idea that people can't afford to stay in their homes doesn't seem to be the case from from our sentiment survey that we've seen so far. And I think that that's, that's something we're actually looking out for in this this edition, if you will, of mm-hmm. the survey, because like you said, we've done it for, we've done, we've conducted three surveys and during that period of time over the past year, conditions have changed dramatically. And so it is interesting with rising interest rates and the cost of owning a home having gone up so much recently, mm-hmm. we thought maybe, you know, you'll see, you'll see a greater proportion of respondents, like a materially greater proportion mm-hmm. saying, yeah, I'm going to sell because just owning a home is, is too expensive and we're not really seeing that. Yeah. Uh, I'll say yet, but we're not seeing it. Yeah. And on the flip side, buying intentions are still higher, much higher than selling intentions. And they're increasing, not a ton, but um, they went from 31% last year, 33% in the spring, up to 35%, which like more than a third of people say they want to buy a home in the next six months is a massive, massive number. It's crazy. No. Yeah. And the fact that there are so many more people wanting to buy than sell, there's still more buyers than sellers out there. Um, So there's still this unrealized demand in the market. But it seems like there just isn't that urgency right now. And I think there are a few more of the, the questions that we ask kind of sort of lead us as to why. Well, um, I think a bit, and I think if they have the urgency, I think like you were saying before, the decreased inventory could be another reason that they're sort of holding back. Is there going to be something better that comes up mm-hmm. in you know January or in the spring? So Yeah, we've talked about this like game of chicken almost between buyers and sellers. Like who's going to make the first move? <clears throat> so the other thing consumers were telling us in the survey is that a really a much larger share think that uh, it, home values one year from today will be lower than they are today and that it'll be a better time to buy one year from now than it is today, uh, which is interesting because it's not a view we necessarily at Intel share. I'm looking at Jeevan shaking her head. No, yeah, because I 
say all the time, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, shoot, I should have bought last year, mm-hmm. yes. I would not be sitting here with you fine people. <laughs> I would hey. be sitting on a beach somewhere and retired. So I think that idea of waiting, um, you know, it, it's so cliche, but they have that saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And I think that is the best advice that I could give buyers because the long-term trend, if you look, is always you're going to get, you know, your value out of whenever you buy. So mm-hmm. that that's what I would like to say to the buyers out there. For sure. I think that, uh, yeah, you know, I generally share that view about like when you look long-term and we're, and we're not talking about people that are trying to time the market, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if you're looking to, like you said, uh, buy and wait or buy and hold, um, the long-term prospects for real estate appear to be quite strong when you look at some of the underlying fundamentals that we've talked quite a bit about on past episodes of, of this podcast that we write about all the time. Um, though I guess the one caveat in all of this is just that if you are going to buy, you've got to be able to afford it. So we're just going to be the prudent commentators mm-hmm. and analysts here mm-hmm. and say that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, borrowing costs are higher. But the, you know the flip side of it too is if you can afford right now to purchase the home that meets your needs with, with current interest rates... Um, you know, if you sort of move ahead five years, and I guess, right, you're going to talk a little bit about where survey respondents think mortgage rates are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is, in my opinion, uh, in our opinion, likely that um, rates will be lower than they are today, especially not like you know, a year, but like five years. So if you can afford a home today, today's interest rates, then going forward, it might be that much more affordable for you. Um uh, when you also consider that your wages over or your income over a five-year period would be going up. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think the other thing is, is what we've learned in the last year or so is if the interest rates go up or they start going down, say in the spring, do you want to be stuck in that spot that you were in last year when you couldn't buy because the market turns and you waited too long? So I think that's another big thing that I would instruct buyers as well is don't wait because you could be potentially in the same spot because we saw the market is unpredictable. Anything can change it in a moment's notice. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's another good point to make. And that takes me to your comment about <laughs> where uh, survey respondents think mortgage rates will be one year from now. So the number of respondents who think that mortgage rates will be lower in a year has grown, but it's grown from 2% to 11%. And still the overwhelming majority, about three quarters of respondents think that mortgage rates will be higher in one year than they are today. And again, that's a view that we in this room do not share. That's a huge proportion. So three out of four respondents think that rates will be higher a year from now. But I think a lot has to do with just all the noise out there mm-hmm. that says the the sky is falling. So people love bad news and that's what they want to believe. <laughs> and I also think, I mean, all of us, so just whether you're, uh, you know, an armchair housing market, you know, analyst or you get paid to be an analyst, um, we all suffer from like it's part of the human condition, I think, to be influenced by recency bias. Mm-hmm. It's hard to confidently expect or predict inflection points in mm-hmm. our world, like where there's a change in direction of something. Like, mm-hmm. so, it, you know, if you look at that view a year out from now that, you know, almost half of people think that values are going to be lower than they are today. Really, it's like a continuation of the trend that we've seen since yeah. April. Um, and that mortgage rates or interest rates generally will be higher a year from now, which would be a continuation from what began in, in February and March. Like, it makes a lot of sense to me why that might be the prevailing view, because it's hard to sort of 
you know, put your stake down and say, this is when things, this is when things change. Totally. And I think we've just been living in such an unpredictable world for the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. So I think maybe people just want to play out the worst case scenario to be safe. It's hard to say. (laughs) And it's not to say, I mean, (laughs) we don't have all the answers here, right? Like in, I think, right, kicked off the podcast by, um, by noting how often we get things wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for continuing to listen to us. Um, but you know, it's just when you, when you do look at some of the factors that when you sort of step away from the, the high level trends and you look at some of the factors that are influencing the direction of rates and really that is what's influencing prices right now. It's kind of, it's not a broader economic issue. It's, it's like a series of domino. It's almost like more of a linear, um, set of factors influencing our market than ever before, even though it feels chaotic, it's mm-hmm. somewhat orderly. Inflation is the origin of all of the changes that we've seen in our in our housing market mm-hmm. because that has led high and rising consumer prices has led to high and rising interest rates. And that has created a lot of uncertainty, hesitancy, it's reduced purchasing power and brought home prices down. And so really what we need to be looking to is, well, what do we think about the path for inflation and interest rates? And then that tells us something about implicitly prices and supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So insight number three, interest rates are rising, but not for long. So we've just talked a little bit about interest rates, and we should probably spend a little bit more time on on them given both the Bank of Canada's recent announcement and the U.S. Federal Reserve rate decision earlier today. So Ryan Berlin, what's the latest on interest rates and and where are they going? Yeah, so the first part's way easier to answer. Um, In Canada, so the Bank of Canada uh, on December 7th met and decided to increase the policy rate by their policy rate um, by 50 base points, half a percentage point which we had been predicting for a few weeks. Uh, sort of, There wasn't unanimity in the consensus on how much of an increase there would be. I think half of economists polled thought 25 basis points and half thought 50. And um, so it ended up being a bit of a larger increase than some were hoping for mm-hmm. in line with our expectations. Um, but I think as much as the rate announcements from from the Bank of Canada um, at the beginning of December was important, it's some of the commentary and language around what the bank is seeing, what they're basing their decisions on, and where they see things going. That I think that's worth really highlighting. One big takeaway from their rate announcement um, was that they are seeing an impact of higher interest rates on the economy which is to say higher interest rates are having their intended effect mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. That there is reduced spending, asset prices are coming down. We're sort of seeing a, it's not a popping of a bubble, it's like a deflating of a balloon type of situation, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's important to me about that is if the bank wasn't seeing any uh, cause and effect between rates and the economy, then you could bet that they would just continue on their on this regime of like big and continued incre- uh, increases in interest rates. So that says, okay, that says to me that the bank is acknowledging what we're doing is having an effect and they see inflation losing momentum, which is really good news because that's really what they're responding to. Um, they see the economy slowing through next year, which isn't great overall, but it ha- it has been slowing. So I don't necessarily see like a huge 
change in our day-to-day lives, you know, broadly sort of defined uh, next year. Um, but the bank feels that currently inflation expectations are too high. And that's really important. Um, if, if, if all of us think that inflation is going to be high going forward, employers, employees, households, businesses, governments, we're going to price things and spend on things like we expect prices to be going up, which means it will fuel inflation. So they really, the bank really wants to like establish itself as the, 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 the policer of, uh, of of inflation by interest rates and so they're they're they they want to be seen to be acting decisively and i think people are starting to see that but they're not convinced the bank's not convinced yet that um they've done everything they need to Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a wait and see approach right now i do think that we talk about the future from where we're sitting right now our belief is that uh the bank's going to go up another 25 basis points in their end of january meeting Mm. but then we think they'll pause now, they may not go up 25 basis points. They might go up more. There's a few things that need to happen between now and then or that will happen that will influence their decision. We've got two rounds of inflation data coming out, one mm-hmm. on December 21st, another three weeks just before their meeting in January. So the U.S. Federal Reserve uh, just increased their policy rate down there today, which is December 14th, in response to or alongside slowing inflation. I think we're going to see slowing inflation here. That's what I expect. Um, and then there's new labor market data that will come out. They'll tell us about the uh, how many people are employed, the unemployment rate, and how fast wages are growing. So if all that stuff's running really hot, then the Bank of Canada is probably going to increase by more than 25 basis points. But if those things start to moderate or stabilize, I think we'll see them take their foot off the gas. And either way, I do think that that policy rate, I think we, Ryan and I yeah. both agree and looking at the data and tracking it every day, that they're very likely to pause at that point. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting that because they've gone so fast, we haven't actually been in a high interest rate environment for all that long, yeah. relatively speaking. You know, we only they only started back in March, which was nine months ago, and sort of it takes a while for this stuff to work its way through the economy. So part of what they're doing is just watching to see how their past interest rate increases are affecting the economy as much as looking to do more in the mm-hmm. future. And I do think that, I mean, Jimmy, you can speak to this better, but I would imagine, like, I haven't been uh, someone contemplating a sale of a property or actively purchasing in the last year. And I don't think I would have been regardless of what rates we're doing, I don't think. But you must be work- you must be having conversations with people and working with people who are kind of just like are just pressed against the wall by these increasing rates right now and kind of like stuck because they're not sure I don't mean to be putting words in my mouth. I'm not sure when when it's going to end. Where is the ceiling? Totally. I think that's probably the biggest conversation that people are having right now when it comes, at least the people that I've spoken to when it comes to real estate, because that's what's dictating, you know, to them, the market. There are obviously other factors, but that is the big one that's out there right now. So um, in terms of buyers, yes, they're definitely holding off um, just to see if things are going to come, you know, are they going to come down or our price is going to come down. So, and for sellers, I mean, unless they're purchasing something else, um, I don't think they're too concerned about it other than what they're going to get for their property mm-hmm. because, which is fair. I mean, it's yeah. getting 
easier to manage expectations now than it was in September or October, where people were still expecting to get what their neighbor got or what a similar home got um, earlier in the year or last year. So I think they're they're aware now of where the market is coming. So it does make it a little bit easier to manage their expectations as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in terms of mortgages and stuff. I mean, of course, there's people that were out there with the variable rate that are a little stressed right now. I mean, but as much as we hated the stress test, I think we know that, you know, they can still afford to stay in their home. So of course, yeah, it hurts, but um, to pay a little bit more and I, you know, some people have locked in. Um, I don't know. I think going forward, what the sentiment, I don't know how people are going to feel between because the variable rate has always been sort of this, even though it goes up and down, I feel like it's been the safest bet overall. But now I think people are, you know, more leaning towards a fixed rate. Um, just to have that predictability, I mm-hmm. think. I was going to say, I do think we're going to get some more clarity on January 25th. Um, I think whether the bank chooses to pause or maybe pause what their language again in that press release on January 25th, I think will offer us a lot more clarity than we have today. And we already got a bit last week when they changed some really important language in their release and they stopped saying the bank judges that rates will need to rise further. We've been sort of I've been harping on this for months now that they keep saying rates will go up more mm-hmm. and they changed that mm-hmm. language last week and they said that we'll judge if they will need to go up more so that now they're sort of saying it, it might, might need to go up more d- yeah depending on the data depending on the 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 next two CPI releases that Ryan was talking about um, the labor data so we now know that there's enough enough has changed that they might not need to go more or they're only going to go a little bit more and again, I think on January 25th, we'll get some more clarity around that. I also think the pa- the pause won't be bad either, because I think they've just been going up so much people so quickly that people haven't wrapped their brain around it. And then once it hits a pause, mm-hmm. I think people will adapt and it'll be a new normal. And I think hopefully that'll increase the activity as well. And people will take a step back and just say, OK, this is what it is. We got to move on because people still need to buy. People still need to sell. Um, so that that I don't think just even a pause wh- whether they go down or not I think even a pause would be a positive thing for the market <laughs> yeah. absolutely so that's a very good point because one of the one of the objectives of the Bank of Canada is to maintain a low and stable inflationary environment so that essentially big picture price we always have inflation like prices are always on average going up every year it's just that they're going up in a relatively like conservative way stable way and you can plan around that to to your point um people just aren't like the uncertainty paralyzes people and businesses and governments you don't know if you should take action or not so you don't Mm -hmm. and so i think we can all adapt like we could adapt to an environment where there was predictability that uh, when we certainly could, that that mortgage rates were going to be at 4.5% forever. I mean, everything would get repriced, but there would be some certainty. So you know that when you buy, you're not going to get hosed by um, rising rates. So there's a seller that you, if you had waited, you would get a better price, right? So I think there's there is a lot to be said for just stability wherever that ends up landing. Um, 
providing certainty and sort of, I wouldn't say necessarily igniting on its own the market, but allowing for a bit more liquidity, like mm-hmm. a bit more activity on, on the buy and sell side. Yeah. Yeah. No, we saw that even before, even when, you know, the government made announcement of the foreign buyer tax, like the obviously on a much smaller scale, but it halted the market temporarily. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, okay, well, we can deal with this. And then they keep moving forward. So let's see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good point. There remains a lot of uncertainty. We've dealt with it for not just this past year, but for the last almost three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that there's that the path forward is certain, but I think that 2023 would be characterized by a lot more stability, yeah. generally in our housing market, in our economy, with our personal finances. I think all of that stuff um, will start to settle. And I think, I think that's very, I think that's a, in some ways, that's a positive outlook for us for next year. But it's really like the objective view that we have on where we see things going. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think the next couple of months, to be honest with you, are going to be very different within our housing market uh, from what we've experienced over the past six months. But I think once we once the spring comes, I think that we're going to have a, a, a new set of conditions that will feel, uh, I hate to use the word, but more normal. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful to see what what happens come come January, and um, we'll look out for those new announcements to come. So, mm-hmm. yeah, tune into those podcasts, and uh, yeah, I think this uh, wraps up the podcast for today. On today's podcast, we covered three main insights. The first insight is, as expected, November's housing market activity was characterized by sluggish demand, scarce supply, and falling prices. The second insight was consumer sentiments have shifted, but buying and selling intentions remain relatively consistent. And the third insight is interest rates are rising, but not for long. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah. So before we we take off, Jeevan, it was so great to have you here today. Is there any last final thoughts that you'd like to share with our buyers and sellers who are currently in the market right now that, um, yeah, some advice, any tips would be great? Um, I would just uh, tell my clients, advise buyers and sellers, be prepared. Um, Don't lay low. Do your research. Get pre-approved. Even as even if you're not going to actively buy, just stay in the loop and have that pre-approval because you just never know when something perfect comes up for you or if you're ready to jump in it for whatever reason and you just don't want to be stuck unprepared. As for sellers, I would just say... Um, it's, you know, manage your expectations, just understand that the market has shifted slightly and while prices have come down as you're, you know, find a good agent and they will work hard to market your property and make sure that you get the best price possible. Yeah, that's really great advice. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jeevan. Yeah. And if anybody wants to continue the conversation, what's the best way they can reach you? Um, they can reach me by phone or text at 604-617-2159, or they can reach me on my Rennie website, which is <laughs> www.rennie.com slash Gill. So yeah, definitely can find um, a Jeevan's phone number and um, and uh, ways to connect with her through, through the website. So thank you so much. And this wraps up this episode of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox to register for intelligence updates. 
So thank you, Jeevan. It was a pleasure having you on our last podcast of the year. Thank you so much for making the trip down here. I hope it, we made it worth your while and we really appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here on the final one of 2022 and just uh, happy holidays to everybody. And 2023 is going to be great. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan, have a wonderful rest of the year, I guess, everybody. And we'll, we'll catch you next year. You too. Thanks. Thanks all. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Thank you.